what I'm here to do this morning is, is not what we typically do. So our normal prose, what we normally do on a Sunday morning is take a passage of scripture, unpack that, look at that, figure out exactly what God it might be or what God might be saying to us through it. These couple of Sundays, last week and this week though, we're, we're taking a slightly more thematic approach and we're looking at where do we think God might want us to go as a church? What kind of spiritual family do we want to build? Do we want to be? So uh, I've been, you know, I've been here two and a half years now, and uh, that is a drop in the bucket of the long length of time that this church has been here. We've been here 170 years, uh, faithfully bearing witness to Jesus, loving Jesus, worshiping Jesus, serving the community. So uh, we're all relative newcomers. Some of us very, very recent, like this is your first Sunday, you've been part of Darling Street for 30 minutes. Um, some of you uh, have been here a long time. None of us have been here 170 years. But God willing, what we're doing is building on all the wonderful ministry of the past. We want to say, okay, Lord, what, does the, what might the future look like? And uh, we've come up with two things. Um, we want to be a church for next year. And, and this, you know, gosh, if we, if we nail these next year, who knows what 2019 will be like, right? Um, we want to be a church to which the unchurched love coming. And we talked about that last week. And by unchurched, we mean those who, for any number of reasons, aren't deeply plugged into a local church at the moment. They can be on a spiritual journey of some sort. They can be skeptics, agnostics, uh, wherever they are on their journey, that there is something here. There is a presence of God. There is a depth of love. There is a reality here that draws people in. And when they come, it's just wonderful. So um, that's what we're trying to do. And uh, if you missed last Sunday, go online and listen. Uh, in particular, we, uh, we, Byron shared a bit of his story, and that was pretty good. Actually, that was really good. And if you were at five, it was even better. Let me tell you, at five o'clock, man, we had, we had stories of Turkish belly dancing, complete with Byron making me act the part of the belly dancer. Um, you can go onto my son's Snapchat story if you want uh, videographic proof of that. Um, that was fun, just thinking about what does it mean to be a church where just folk love coming and being part of this. And uh, one of the most exciting things I'm seeing is, is every week now, and even last week, there's just more and more people starting to join new folk. Our evening service, for example, last Sunday, I don't know, there were 57 people, all these beautiful young adults, uni students and 20-somethings just turning up. Their friends are bringing them along. Uh, and that is, uh, in a world like ours, in a city like ours, that's pretty special, and that's God. So as we do that, we also want to build a church where the church love serving. Now, who are the churched? That'd be us. Oh, by the way, do you know, in 1662, there is a service for the churching of women. Did you know that? Does anyone know what the service for the churching of women is? Yeah, it's a service uh, for, for welcoming and blessing women after childbirth as they come back into the church. Isn't that cool? So uh, I think we need to reinstitute the services for the churching of women for uh, Eliza and for Wendy. How cool will that be? Okay, maybe I'm the only one who thinks that's cool, but um, it could be fun. So the church is us. And what we want to be is a church where we love serving where we love serving God. We love serving each other. We love serving this world. And it's really important that, um, 
that this is the case because it's Jesus who said that we're going to be better off, we're going to be happier, we're going to find more joy when we give than when we receive. And one of the things that can happen in churches like ours is, uh, and in our faith, when we've been at it for a while, okay, like 170 years, sometimes it might feel like that, or, uh, you know, for me, I became a follower of Jesus 37 years ago, and And over time, we can just lose our love, our first love for Jesus and our love of serving. And you start to just, you just get a little stale and a little bored and a little grumpy and a little just, oh, you know, more of the same, more of the same. And I think that's, that that in the kingdom of God, uh, it's very, very much about love and joy. That this is what God wants for us. And it's a journey we're all on, and we want to encourage each other with that, that, that there is nothing better in life than serving others. That's what, there's where the greatest joy is going to be. And we, to start to frame church and our experience of this community as a place where we have the extraordinary privilege of building into each other's lives and doing something that is really eternally significant. Um, isn't that cool? So that's what we're going to think about. Now, to do that, um, uh, we, we had the Bible reading from 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to unpack that in great detail in term one. So February, March next year, we're going to do a whole uh, series, a whole uh, campaign at church to help us think about our spiritual gifts, what they are, how we use them, uh, and explore that in great detail. But today I wanted to say, if we're going to be a church that loved serving, here's what we need to do. Three things with two subpoints and a couple of subpoints of the subpoints and a few diagrams and some stories and some jokes and then we'll be done. Uh, so we need to understand the journey from consumer to from consumer to contributor. We need to under- discover how God has gifted you and we need to organize for effectiveness and joy. Okay, that's really simple. That's how you build a church where we love serving. Understand the journey we're on, discover the God- gifts God has given you. And then as a church family, let's organize for effectiveness and let's organize for joy. All right? That's what we're going to do. All ready? Let's go. All of us come to church in the first instance because of what we can get. Particularly these days, we are hardwired as consumers. We come out, uh, we, we come into this world ready to be uh, sold to, uh, build our identities on the brands we consume, uh, told that life is all about us and our choices, we construct reality by our choices, so we are formed massively as consumers. And in one sense, that's always been the way. So we come to church, we come to a place like this, we come to God, and the thing that typically draws us in is what we can get, and that's not bad. Because let me tell you, you come to a church like this, you're going to get lots of great stuff, right? You are going to get a great community. Honest to goodness, you just go, this is a church full of wonderful people. Uh, You're going to get great business networking opportunities if that's your thing, you know? You can meet folk you can do deals with. You're going to get love and care and support. You're going to get a great kids program. Oh, you know, man, if you just want like an hour and a quarter of peace and quiet for free on a Sunday, just come here, sit, tune everything out. Your kids will be taken care of. They'll be loved. They'll, they'll develop a whole, a whole cohort of friends who'll grow up with them. You want a place, you want to get a place of uh, like good friends for your teenagers, this is the place, right? I mean, 
youth groups, kids, teenagers who participate in youth groups have better mental health outcomes uh, than kids who don't. So you can get a lot. You might, you might come to get great music. Oh, where's Joel and Alistair and Marie, the band, How, uh, and Jeff? You get great music. Yeah, it might not be your cup of tea every Sunday. Uh, you might be a hardcore punk person locked into, you know, the early 90s. You might go, you know, Nirvana was the, the, the pinnacle of musical taste. And this isn't quite that, but it's still pretty good, right? Or you might think, it's not, you know, 19th century English church music. It's not, but it's, you know, so you might get that. You might even get some good preaching occasionally. Um, (laughs) Thanks, Byron. I do the jokes here, thanks, mate. (laughs) (laughs) But what will keep you here? And what will change your life is not what you can get, but what you can give. When you make that journey, which we're all on, you start here and you end up here, becoming somebody who is here, who lives to serve. You start as someone who comes to get, you start, you come here to get, and you stay to give. And and what what is true of life in a community is that two things will, will... there'll be two ways in which you give, right? You give into relationships and you give in various roles, roles and relationships. You've got to find a place to serve and you've got to build relationships. Now, I can break it down even further for you. If you're visiting and you want to figure out how do I make Darling Street Church work for me, you need to make make six friends. That's what the research says. Takes six to stick. So, you know, get involved enough so that you've got at least six friends who on any given Sunday you can actually connect with, talk a bit about life. No, you can be friendly with a lot of people, but if you really want to start serving others, you've got to know at least six people well enough where you can know what is going on in their lives and you can make a contribution. It's pretty simple. And then you need to find a role where you can serve because... Um, that's just what, that's so good, isn't it? That's how we get to know people. We, we, we're not really, a, we're not a um, transactional analysis group. We don't just all sit around and study the group in the here and now, the process of the group. We, we find community and joy as we do stuff together. When you play music together, when you do the welcome team together, when you uh, serve uh, in one of our mercy and justice programs together, when you do any number of things together, that's when we find great joy. So we want to go on that journey from a consumer to a contributor, and that's a spiritual journey. Second thing we need to do is we need to discover how God has gifted you. Because listen, every one of us has spiritual gifts. So here's a definition of spiritual gifts. A spiritual gift is a special ability that God gives according to his grace to each member of the body of Christ to be used for the development of the church. You can think about spiritual gifts in other ways. There are other definitions. I think this is a really useful working definition. And when we look at 1 Corinthians 12, the image of the body, all of us are gifted. So now to, to, to uh, help us with our learning, we're going to have a test. Okay, you all ready for a test? I want to give you a test uh, on uh, spiritual gifts and what do you know about them. Okay, so true or false, God rewards faithful Christians with spiritual gifts True or false? False? Anyone think it's true? It's very hard when a group call out one answer. It's hard to stand up against the crowd. Why is it false? Everyone gets gifts? 
It's not a reward. And, and so it's, it's, it's manifestly false because um, every Christian gets gifts whether they're faithful or not. There's some really unfaithful Christians who are complete ratbags who are incredibly gifted, right? It's an ox... You can't be unfaithful and a Christian. That is a, yeah, that's a profound insight. Let's think a little bit about that over morning tea. Um, <laughs> I'm really engaging, aren't I? Yeah, that, did, don't feel brushed off at all. I just, it's, just the, it's just the mustache that is too intimidating for me. My masculinity is just draining away. Um, uh, most, but not all Christians, have a spiritual gift. True or false? True or False. False. Okay, so that's false. That's false. Um, any Christian can receive any gift if only he or she desires it. False? Yeah, okay. Oh, you guys are good. You're good. There are, oh, this one might get you. There are always more Christians who don't have a specific gift than those who do have it. True or false? Okay, uh, how many of you think that is, <laughs> how many think it doesn't matter, Jim, Jim, huh, mate, this is a tough crowd, man, a tough crowd, just work with me here, people, work with me, is it true or false? Uh, well, it's true, and this is, we'll look at this next, it's really important to understand this, because what we often do is we think, Every, we, we do what um, one writer has called spiritual gift projection. So we think, because I have a particular gift and this thing really, really matters to me, well, everybody should have it, right? So um, I think everybody should have the gift of faith. It's one of my strongest spiritual gifts. God has given me this ability to, no matter what life throws at me, just believe that He will come through and He will answer our, he'll, he'll answer our prayers, He'll meet our needs. The best is always yet to come. The, the glass isn't half empty. It's almost overflowing if only you could see it. Um, and I just think everyone should have that gift. But it's not true. Everyone doesn't. It's okay. A minority will. Same with evangelism. Same with prophecy. Same with teaching. There's only ever a minority of people in the church who have any specific gift. And so if we're going to work as the body together, it becomes really important that everybody discovers the gifts that they have and are released to use those. Uh, this is a lovely one. In order to become true or false, in order, to become one, in order not to become one-sided, Christians should be particularly active in those areas in which they do not possess any gifts. False or true? False? <laughs> yeah, that's false. So why is it that in so many churches, anyway, you have so many people, because well, there's the need, we've got the need, we've got to fill it, you know, you can, particularly this happens, they're, they're all out doing kids, this happens in Sunday school. We've got this incredible pressing need for Sunday school teachers. Now, you might hate kids, you might hate teaching. Uh, it might be your worst nightmare, but out of guilt and out of duty, you might do it. And at one level, 
actually, we'll talk later, that's not better than not. If you don't have the gifts to do the job, don't do the job. And if we don't have the people with the gifts to do a ministry that God wants us to do, then there's only two options. One, God doesn't want to do it. Or two, there are faithful Christians in the pews who are being disobedient to God's call. Like, it's really simple. You just go, we either, if God doesn't give us the people with the gifts to do the ministry, we just don't do it. It's fairly straightforward. Um, and what I've found over 25 years leading churches, God always brings along the people to do the work that he wants us to do. It's pretty amazing, hey? That's the way the church works. Anyone who holds a leadership position for which she or he does not have the corresponding gift should resign. True or false? That's what? That's very tricky. That wasn't an option. <laughs> true, false, or tricky? <laughs> it's true, isn't it, man? Look, uh, it's true. It's true. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like, if you put me in charge of organizing stuff, <laughs> why, is why are people laughing like that? <laughs> uh, yeah, you should be. Um, it's very funny. Like, let me, I'll give you an example of how bad this is. Um, on Thursday night, we had an IJM board meeting, and our company secretary is, is away on holidays, so um, I, I had the job of, of organizing someone to take the minutes, of organizing like dinner and the catering. Uh, it caused me more stress to organize catering for five people and someone to take the minutes than I would have felt if you'd asked me with half an hour's notice to stand up and do a talk in front of a thousand people. I just, you know, it blows my mind that anyone can actually enjoy organizing stuff like that. But lots of people do, just not me. I, so the worst thing you want is to put me in a role where I've got to do a whole pile and to lead people to do organizing. It's not good. And, for, and so that's really liberating, isn't it? So one of the other things I find is every time I discover a spiritual gift I don't have, I feel enormous liberation. Is that something I don't have to do? Yeah, thank you, Jesus. I don't have to do this, man. Oh, that's wonderful, right? It's a little countercultural. Um, and, and actually, in our church, we'll talk in a moment. One of the problems in our churches is often we think that the pastor or the rector needs to do everything. And that's a really bad idea. <laughs> that's really bad. It's not biblical. It's not helpful. We also, if, if, we, if we extend it beyond the pastor, what we sometimes do is we go, well, actually, 20% of people then do 80% of the work. That's also not a great idea. What we want is everybody contributing, everyone using their gifts. Um, so that's where we're heading. One of the things we need to do, if this is going to happen, is we've got to organize ourselves for effectiveness and for joy. Right? Now, given what I've just said about organization, you might say to me, Mark, you are the worst person here to talk to us about how to get organized. Except that's not right, because you see, I have, I have very strong gifts in knowledge, so I read and I think a lot, and I'm a really good teacher. So I can read and think and tell you how to get organized. I'm just not the person to execute on it. So that's what I'm going to do now. We're going to build a church where we've got people who are strong at execution. I mean, my goal, the way I solved this dilemma in life was I married Margot, and between the two of us, we make one functioning human being, and we do quite well. And that's actually... 
That's true for most of our marriages, right? And that's true in the church. God brings together in our context like 150, 160 people, and we're growing and more people come every week, and together we become one functioning body of Christ. So uh, how do we organize for effectiveness and joy? Uh, well, you've got, to, um, you've got to understand the shape of the body, and then you've got to understand where and how you can best use your gifts to build the body. So let's think a bit about the shape of the body. What am I doing? Let's think about the shape of our body. And uh, this could get messy, but bear with me. Okay, so imagine this is our church. And these are the boundaries. On the outside is, is the big wide world. Inside is our organization. And uh, every church uh, takes people on a journey. And uh, this is the journey from a contributor, from a, a consumer to a contributor. The other way of saying it is we take people on a journey from being spiritually lost to being what? Found. Or if you want more theological categories, um, we take people from being pagans or atheists, or agnostics, cut off from God, and we shape them, at the end of that time, we shape them to become Christ-like, to actually live in the way of Jesus in every area of their lives. C.S. Lewis said, the goal of the church is to form many Christs. That's it. So all of us join the church, we come into the church as God does his work through each of us, building into each other's lives. We go out from the church uh, like Jesus, right? That's the fundamental journey that each of us is on. Make sense? Now, how do we organize for that to happen effectively, and how do we find our place in that? Well, uh, the first thing we do is we, we do a whole bunch of activities here in this process. Uh, and these are activities of evangelism and mercy and justice. So these are the things we do in the world that help people who are lost start to connect with the wonderfully good news of Jesus, right? So this is stuff like what? What do we do as a church to, to connect with folk who aren't in our church? Alpha. What else? Community outreach. So, for example, our shop front at 666, um, we have people in every day. The, the amazing work Liz and the others do, setting up that window, every day someone pops into, church, into that office and we have a conversation. Uh, we met Don. Is Don. Don is not here. You met a Don? You met a Dan. Dan, Dan sitting over there. Yeah, not a Don. No, no. Hey, Dan, you're not Don. No, no Don's, about, Don's about 70. Uh, he, was an inter he was in the racing industry and uh, an entertainer, quite a character, but he had a stroke. And uh, a few years ago, so he was raising money for the Stroke Foundation, and he came into the church to sell us pens and little things, so we gave him some money, and then we talked about God for the next 10 minutes and invited him to church. And that's what happens almost every day, not with Don, but with others. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> um, so we do Alpha, we do Scripture, 
that's outreach. We do, uh, you know, the 666 stuff. Anything we do that is just aimed at meeting the needs of folk who aren't in the community, right? What, ha what do we do next? What's the next step in that process? Invite them to church. Now, now watch how I'm drawing this next step, right? So these are our, and I'm just going to public and large uh, worship gatherings. And you'll notice that they, it's, I've deliberately drawn it so that it, uh, it crosses this boundary, right? Because what we see in, the, in Scripture is that uh, people join, can, and, and this happens all the time, people come directly in here, but they also come in here, don't they? And they're coming in from our community in all kinds of ways. That's the plan. And then they cross the boundary and they're into God's kingdom. And what we do here is, uh, what, what, what things fit into this box in our church together, our church life? Sorry? Teaching? Yeah, yeah, but let's think like organizationally. What are our large public gatherings, people? That's, this is not a complicated question. Sundays, so 9 a.m., 10 a.m., 5 p.m., uh, Friday nights, absolutely like this. We've got 35 teenagers turning up. Uh, huh? Wow, women on Wednesday. Um, there's a bit of a vision brewing for WOW to become a, women, a church for women. Women who are around in the community on a Wednesday. And man, how would that, imagine if this place was full of like 150 women coming to know Jesus, worshiping Jesus, changing the city. Uh, that'd be cool, right? Uh, what, like anything that's large and public where we worship together, where we, you know, teach and encourage each other. That's what we do there, okay? Um, and we could do other stuff. We could do a church plant in Lilyfield, perhaps an Orange Grove public school. Oh, no, that's been done. We could do, you know, we could, we could do other stuff. Who knows? What's the next step? What do you think the next category would be? Yeah, so then there's another box here. And I'll, I'll call that... Um, uh, it's hard to know, spiritual formation or growth. And in this context, this is anything that's small and essentially private, and this is small groups. This is our intense one-on-one, like one-to-one -one mentoring or pastoral care or loving and serving. This is our training and equipping ministry. This is our prayer groups. This is uh, everything we do that is designed to help us grow spiritually and move forward and become more Christ-like. So we, we come to know Jesus. We get drawn into church. We get drawn into these processes and groups where we get formed and grow and healed. Our hurts, our habits, our hang-ups are, are, are healed, and, and we start to make progress, right? Uh, what then is the last box, do you think? There's one more. This is the box of bearing witness. So we go back out. We need to be equipped to go back out into the world, in particular, to bear witness in our work and faith, to integrate what we do Monday to Saturday, and then to go back out into the world. So we come, we worship, we grow, we go. And it's really simple. Make sense? Now... You say, well, Mark, that's all really easy. Why are you taking so long to do that? I want to, 
well, I've just got to make this a little bigger. Um, I want, it's very, if we're going to organize for effectiveness and joy, we need to, each and every one of us, understand exactly where we fit in. So even if you're here for the first time, you can have, there's a pathway. This is what we're trying to do. There's no bait and switch here. It's just, this is our church. This is how we work. As you join, this is the expectations you can have. And then we can figure out where God has placed us to fit in. There is a box missing, though. One more. Sorry? Uh, no, but that's important. That can fit in elsewhere. I'll show you where in a moment. What's missing is there's another box down here. In one sense, this is the boring box, but a very, 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 very significantly important box. And this is um, Rector. Rector, Parish Council, and a subcategory. And so Parish Council and Wardens, and a subcategory of that is uh, Finance, Property, uh, and then there's a whole lot of compliance stuff, all the compliance stuff we've got to do legal and blah, blah, you know, making sure that everything works and the lights go on and no one burns to death in an overcrowded building and all that good stuff, right? Uh, now, uh, what does that mean? Well, this box down here is really all about, the only purpose of this box is to support and serve these, right? This is it. Each of us in this journey so we find our place. Some of us get uh, end up down here in these support roles. Uh, now, what does that mean for us practically? There's a bit of a shift going on in our church, and I'll tell you what it is. Uh, we're, we're looking to organize around this really simple model in order to build a church that can scale, because we want to grow. And you say, why do we want to grow? Why do we... <laughs> Why would we want to grow? Why would we want to get bigger as a church? Because Jesus said so. Yep, that's good. Why else? Because we tell more people about Jesus. There are more people coming into the kingdom of God. There are a huge amount of unchurched. Like, we can feel like we're doing pretty well because we are. But there's like 4 million people who aren't in church this Sunday in Sydney. They should be. Because it's good for them, because they need to know the love of Jesus. And the more people we get being shaped, imagine if the whole city was shaped into, was filled with people who actually lived like Jesus. How do we, how do we eradicate domestic violence in the city of Sydney? Well, there's a whole bunch of stuff we do, but at the heart of it, if every man in this city had the heart of Jesus towards women, there would be no domestic violence, right? How do we bring about genuine reconciliation between indigenous Australians and uh, us later arrivals. Well, if everyone on both sides of that divide were, were, had the heart of Jesus with the courage and the faith and the humility and the repentance of Jesus, like that could start to make some progress, right? So I just think that we want to be really, really big, don't we? Like four million, don't we? I do, yeah, come on, four million. Now, obviously not at Darling Street Anglican Church. That's, but if this is a picture of the body of Christ in the city, gosh, we want, we want every church to be just doing its work of drawing people into the kingdom of God and shaping the God and change the world. So that's the vision. Uh, and what that means in terms of staff, uh, this is where the rubber starts hitting the road. So we have some staff positions. I'm going to outline those. I'm going to highlight those now. I'm a staff position. Uh, serving down here as well, you've got uh, Liz, 
who works as our uh, business manager, uh, executive pastor-y type person, just making sure that all of this stuff organizes. So Liz and I together form a competent human being who can cast the vision and teach and also then execute. And we work with the parish council and the wardens, make sure that our $30 million worth of property is well managed and, uh, and that our money is managed and we uh, you know, raise and, s and send the money that we need to where we need to go. What we plan to do uh, from next year on is staff is, is do this, is we want to provide, we want to put leaders for each of these blocks or processes, steps. That's it. So many churches organize around like a Sunday service. We just want a 9 a.m. pastor, a 10 a.m. pastor. A we don't want to do that. Uh, the other thing churches often do is they might staff around specialists. So we want a specialist ch children's worker, which is what we did. And that's appropriate when you're small. Someone is out the back doing the hands-on teaching. If we're going to grow, the single most important thing we need to do is build out a level of leadership here. People who've got the spiritual gifts of leadership, the passion and the competence to actually make sure that, each, that this process is just thriving and working well together. Okay? Uh, some of those are going to be paid positions, but some of them aren't. They don't have to be. None of this, like, actually, we don't have to pay anyone, really. We choose to because we want to put, you know, free up people from having to go out and earn a crust doing other stuff so they can give most of their waking hours to service and support the church. But we build the church, we scale this up to make an impact in the city by, by building from the bottom up, by, by identifying and recruiting and releasing people with leadership gifts to build teams to work as a team, okay? So, for next year, we've got serving here, Liz, uh, no, oh, no, sorry, I lied, let me change that. We've got Joe in this area. Uh, whose, whose heart and passion is about helping people grow spiritually. And so Joe's doing that, and when she has gone through the Churching of Women's Service, um, Wendy will step back in to work with Joe to serve in that area. I will continue. You might say, well, Mark, what do you do? That's a good question. What do I do? I use my leadership gifts, my teaching gifts, my gift of faith. I cast the vision. I staff the vision, find people on staff, volunteers, lay to come and work with me to build a team so we can execute on that. I lead the parish council and the wardens to say, okay, guys, we need a governance structure and a leadership team to execute on this. And I teach. Use my teaching gifts on a Sunday and other times. And then I use my evangelism gift to spend as much time as I can talking to people who aren't yet in the kingdom. Because not everyone has that gift, but I love it. I'll talk, to, I'll talk to the dons who come in the, off the street. I love talking to folk who aren't yet Christians, who are skeptical and agnostic. So just let me do that stuff. That's what I've got to do as the rector. The church will work really well when I'm doing that. Uh, don't ask me to organize stuff because uh, it won't work that well. Um, Liz does that and, our, and teams do that. Uh, what we need to do for next year, and this is not a whole comprehensive thing, but we need to find someone, people who are passionate about this. I would love us to have a staff person, if we, if we could allocate a staff person who could lead us to build out our mercy and justice programs, partnership with IJM and an anti-slavery coalition, um, 
partnership working with some indigenous uh, communities in Sydney and beyond to say, how do we really lean into indigenous reconciliation? Uh, scripture needs a team of people to go and teach its amazing work. Uh, and then finally, um, uh, all the other good stuff we do here. We also need to find somebody or per someone who will have a global view of what we do on a Sunday in our public gatherings. So I'm going to lead the teams who will make 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 5 o'clock fire. We've got John Batten who's going to work here running Friday nights. And he's going to help out at, as, a, as, a, as a student minister. But we're looking for staff. We're looking for leaders. We're looking for people to step up. We need someone to step up here to say, what does it mean to help us integrate faith and work? So that's the vision. Uh, next week, we're going to talk a bit more about our budget. How do we fund that? Um, but this is the plan to build a church where we love serving. So have a think about that. Pray about that. And let's lean into that vision of church. Find your place. And let's change this city. There's room for all of us. And we all need to, we all need to contribute, right? Uh, and that's very exciting, I reckon. Let's stand. I'm going to pray for us. The band's going to sing. Lord Jesus, we love you. We worship you. We thank you for the blessing of this church. Lord, you are building this church. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So we know, Lord, that we are on the winning team. Evil, injustice, death, disease, despair will not triumph. That you raise up the church in the city of Sydney to be uh, lights on hilltops all around the city, to be a foretaste of heaven, to be a glimpse of the kingdom of God. And thank you that that is what we are. Thank you for the privilege of being here. And now, Jesus, just light a fire in our hearts. Pour your Holy Spirit out on us that our church will grow in effectiveness, in joy, and in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in the next couple of years coming to know you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we beg you to do this, not because we deserve it, but because we just want to serve you and serve the city. Amen.